KZSU Stanford. I um, have uh, with me in the studio, and I still can't believe it. Zed Hamdan. KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM and I'm delighted today to welcome you to the Arbology Show and to say marhaba to a musician that I have known through his music for many, many years. I can't believe he's right here at Stanford University today sitting with us, the one and only Zaid Hamdan. Ahla wa Zaid. How are you? Hi, how are you, Ramzi? It's an honor to be here. Is it your first time at Stanford, Zaid? Yes, it's my first time, I think, in a university. MashaAllah. <laughs> well, and hopefully not the last one. Now, what did you do today at Stanford so far? I attended classes and I loved it. Yeah. Were you a good student? Yeah, I hope so. You tell me. <laughs> you were the professor. Well, for full disclosure, he did attend my Arabic classes here where the students loved him as well as the professors who brought their own students to meet Zaid Hamdan, a musician who needs no introduction. Zaid Hamdan comes from Lebanon. And why are you here, Zaid? I'm here to bring back home a statuette. Uh, what kind? Kind of statuette. I hope that uh, we get the Oscars. Uh, I've been uh, working on the movie, assisting Khalid Muzannar, the composer of the movie Kafar Nahum, and uh, we produced the soundtrack. And uh, it's at uh, the Oscars. It's nominated for foreign film, and uh, we're here to get the Oscars. In fact, uh, Khalid Muzannar, the composer and producer of Kafar Nahum or Caper Nome, uh, was interviewed on the Airbalji show two weeks, a uh, few weeks ago, when he was in San Francisco with his wife, director. Uh, Nadine Labaki and now we are rooting for Zaid for the movie and for Nadine to bring back an Oscar for Lebanon inshallah How, what's your feelings Zaid do you think it'll happen uh, you know before uh, it even got nominated in Cannes I told uh, Nadine I am not going to Cannes I'm not going anywhere I'm just going to Hollywood to get an Oscar so ah. I'm here for this yeah and, and, and so a quick <laughs> trip to Stanford never hurts Zaid Hamdan is the music producer because behind some of the most successful bands on the Lebanese and regional alternative scene. He was named one of eight leading lights in Lebanese culture by CNN. He's worked with many artists and groups like Soap Kills, The New Government, uh, Shift Z, Hiba, Mansouri, and I could go on and on. In fact, we'll be asking him about some of these collaborations right here. But let me say that I'm joined in the studio today by uh, two amazing people as well. Stanford student uh, Jin is here. Marhaba, Jin. Hello. Kif- Thanks for having me. Hey, bil Arabi, Jin. Alhamdulillah. And who do we have with us? But Zalfa Rustom. Hello, Zala. Hello, Fik. Merci. Hello. I'm going to start by asking you, Zaid, about your. Well, whenever I say Zaid Hamdan, people say he is the father of indie and alternative Arabic music. It started in Lebanon, it started with Soap Kills in the 90s. How do you feel about carrying that role and that? I'm very, very proud, for sure. I don't feel or I don't take it seriously because I've always focused on just... doing t- making the best out of my encounters with artists I met so I never took um, I, I never realized of how, the reach of it and also uh, my music is rarely played
played on media in Lebanon. So I never felt how much it was reaching abroad. So being here today and with the time uh, being uh, uh, entitled like the godfather of the music scene, uh, it, it fills me with pride, but I... Uh, I just focus on making the good music something that stays. Because that's quite surprising, Zed, I think, for an American audience to understand that in your own country, on radio, there is no space for anything that isn't commercial music. There isn't a, a radio station dedicated to indie music or, you know, the kind of music that you're doing. No, there is a... Uh, every time I would go to a media and play the new productions I prepare, uh, they would tell me, listen, it has no space. Uh, we can't play it. It doesn't resemble Arabic music. It's not Western music. So uh, we're sorry. We, we can't play you. It's been very, very hard. And even recently with successful bands such as Mashrua uh, Leila or Moraba or Jadal or from every country from the region... They also are not played on their own media in their country. So we have a, a weird problem here. There. Uh, I mean, yeah, there. <laughs> so, Zaid, let's talk about Soap Kells. I'm going to start at the beginning. Mm. What gave birth to Soap Kells? And uh, we'll remind everybody who your partner in crime was. Mm. So, uh, to be very honest, um, the Soap Kells started with, uh, I would say, me falling crazy in love with Yasmin when she was in college, you know, and uh, wanting to form a band and then it uh, the real trigger into our friendship becoming this musical band is how she introduced me to classical Arabic music it was something I did not know and that I discovered through her voice she would just sing me songs that she would hear that she heard when she was a kid and when I would hear it I would feel oh my god I have to share this with the entire universe because it's so beautiful so she made me discover Arabic music before I heard the originals she would not play it on a vinyl or something she would just sing it to me and I would try to capture that uh, in my recordings and into creating for her voice the most simple uh, background the most simple music that could carry this voice and this emotion and this gave the Bird. most interesting uh, tracks of Soap Kills. Mm. <laughs> خلي الوداع من غير قبل علشان يكون عندي امل خلي الوداع من غير قبل علشان يكون عندي امل وبشت بسني فعليا We need to tell our listeners that you're actually Lebanese born and raised. Yes. And that despite that fact, you were not familiar with the oldies or the classics in your own language growing up. And it took Yasmin to kind of introduce you to Abdel Wahab and, uh, and such classics. Yes, because uh, there's a very big disconnection in Lebanon between the youth and the pop culture. For a lot of us... Uh, we don't feel that uh, the modern Arabic music is uh, something we relate to. Uh, I mean, at that time, I think maybe today it's better because the scene has role models like the bands I, I told you about, Mashra Leila and, and all the others. So, but at that time, no, our only models were the Egyptian pop 
music. In, uh, in the 90s, it was death metal or old jazz. This is what the youth was playing. So no, there was like a big void in the Arabic music, no renewal. So, um, but Yasmin, um, coming from a family that loved uh, uh, Fayrouz, uh, that uh, her aunt would listen to Amar Zanni. She would go around the Arab world where, because her father was an engineer. So he would play her records, Khaliji music. So... I can say I really had the best teacher in Arabic music. Well, tahiyat and salamat to Yasmin yes. Hamdan, who uh, was sitting in the very chair you're sitting in right now when she came to Stanford uh, a couple of years proud. ago and, and did an interview here at KZSU. But uh, am I to understand that, you know, the your generation, at least, there was sort of a lack of any kind of indie Arabic music, meaning that people would, if they listened to Arabic music, it would be, you know, commercial, like you said, Egyptian pop. But when it came to listening to a more independent music, they listen to Western music, when you talk about jazz, when you talk about these kind of genres, are you talking about those from Western mu uh, music canon? Yes, we were exposed uh, to mostly uh, Western oldies also, because, you know, we were in a country at war, so our radios in Lebanon suffered from, you know, a freeze in time, so we would hear like uh, oldies uh, of French, <laughs> French oldies or uh, top 40, American top 40. And uh, nothing we could relate to directly. Uh, so, for example, I grew up uh, loving uh, the Beatles, loving Bowie, loving the Doors. I knew nothing about Rahbani or Rene Bandali. Wow. Wow. Uh, you know, those I discovered later because uh, when the country started again uh, living, evolving, then... We started discovering and digging those old records that we were not exposed to during the war. Yeah. How old were you when the Lebanese Civil War started, Zaid? I was born in 76, and uh, it was uh, the year, I think, where 70, the war... Uh, 75, I yeah. think, is when, when it started. So you were you were a kid, and you, you stayed, and your family stayed through the war. Uh, we stayed until 86. Wow, so you did see the, a considerable part of the war. My school souvenirs was uh, really, uh, how say, loud mm. in, uh, you know, shelters and uh, gunfights and uh, screams. And But I was never afraid because my father was very brave. I never saw fear in his face, so I was never afraid. So for me, my war souvenirs are just this incredible thing happening outside the house of chaos and terror. But thank God uh, my parents were solid enough to not uh, put the fear in our heart. So it wasn't until like the mid-90s, 97, for example, that you started your music career technically? I mean, the years of the war were not necessarily music-driven for you. Not at all. I don't have any music souvenir from the war or from Lebanon at that time. I could say I heard, I discovered music when we moved to Paris. 
It was in '86, uh, and at that time there was this uh, new wave, Depeche Mode. Uh, then I was exposed to the rise of French rap music, and then I came back to Lebanon at that time. And that's around the time that you formed Soap Kills. I would say my first steps in music there, because again I came back to a country that was really in a shock. Uh, Beirut was still uh, in ruins and so it was we were bored and so I came from Paris and the friends around me was there I had kind of an aura of the you know Frenchy uh, <laughs> little boy and so I took a guitar and uh, we did the band and we played garage and undergrounds and very quickly we printed a CD and you know for us everything was possible because there was nothing so whatever we dreamed we would do or we could become we would just go for it and those early recordings were not necessarily in Arabic right the first CD we did was in in English and it was orientalist so it we kind of uh, imitated the, what we imagined was oriental music but it was so fake yeah but it was actually sung in english yeah yeah i remember a video of yasmin hamdan and lost. you were lost exactly and, and ladies and gentlemen check out this video on, on youtube it's amazing she had very long hair it was an extension an ex oh, now we're getting the dirt <laughs> and her dress was made by rabia kairouz who became oh wow a really a big fashion designer at the time he was a young designer wow. and he was designed a wedding yeah. gown or something he designed as she the walked, clothes uh, it was magical I am lost in gold the color of my death I have lost my soul I have revealed my quest darker than the light is the color of my gold When we did the video Henri Jean de Bon shot it in Super 8, I had a Super 8 camera. We brought uh, the guy who filmed the um, video clips of Noir Désir, a very known French wow. band. He came to Lebanon and shot this video. And in this first video, Yasmin spread little uh, savon, little soap in all the town. And then she presses on the little savon, uh, soap on her dress and Beirut explodes. Oh my God. It was our message. We want to bring everything back. to. <laughs> and soap because of soap kills. Mm. Yeah, no. That the was name, the name of, of the, the uh, of the who who gave it that name was it you was it Yasmin was it both I wrote a song called Murder in Slow Motion that I later put in the new government album but in this song I said soap kills soap kills and it was a, the theme was about you know erasing everything about the war erasing your history and it, it kind it was like a it's a crime. So that was the idea behind the soap kills. Sabun yaktol.
the time, I have to tell you that Jihad uh, al-Mur that have uh, MTV in Lebanon, Mur Television, yeah. he forbid us to say that we were uh, Lebanese. We had to hide this. Why? Because he said, if people discover you are Lebanese, then uh, you won't have any success. And he, somehow he was right. People adored us because they didn't know we were Lebanese in the beginning. They saw you as some kind of foreign import. Exactly, with some oriental uh, feel, and they loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think really when things really became monumental for you, Zayed, is when you decided to say, hey, we can borrow from Western genres, but then record in Arabic. And I think that's the birth of the indie music scene in terms of Arabic music and not simply Arab musicians who were singing in uh, a Western tongue. That moment was two things in our career. It was the end of our Lebanese career because the moment we sang in Arabic, all the media closed their doors. Jihad that used to help expose our music said, I can't help you anymore. Like, I can't play your music because it's not Arabic, it's not. And, uh, and that was very hard for us. We became really under underground, Yasmin and I, doing everything on ourselves. But at that moment, we started doing, I think, really original, genuine, modern Lebanese music. But that was the end of our career in Lebanon. And I think from that point, Yasmin started considering moving from Lebanon. <laughs> The second album by Soap Kills? I would say the first EP was in English, and then the first album called Better was in Arabic. So at the first moment we started playing with Arabic, we interest um, two huge artists in Lebanon, which are Rabi Amrue and Walid Sadiq, and they joined the band. Each were amazing musicians, and they started helping us write the lyrics. And the, the whole Better album. And it was recorded in Khaled Muzannar's home studio underground in the oh, building. Wow, wow. He doesn't know that, I think, because I would... <laughs> He's going to know now. <laughs> I, would, I would use his studio while he was asleep. But oh, he, wow. you know, as since Khaled is also very young, uh, I, I work with him. So one night we go there, the four of us, we press record and we record the whole Better album in one shot. Wow. So oh. this is was our first With album. you, Yasmin, and two other musicians uh, in the studio. And Rabbi yeah. I'd like to make you sing The words you dare not tell I would have loved to hear The things you kept for yourself 
It would have made me understand how you really felt. It would have made me understand how you really felt. really to me is so significant that's a historical album it really was the birth of arabic music yeah. with an indie touch and it's through that music that i discovered soap kills yeah. and then you know went on with you now what was the next step with uh, soap kills how many albums did you end up uh, releasing so after Betel, I discovered softwares because there was no really music softwares at that time. So we were recording. I had the drum machine linked to a sampler on which I cut some Arabic music and we played live. But after that, I discovered softwares like uh, Reason and Cakewalk. And that's when I started producing the album Shiftak. And that was made really entirely, entirely on the software. Wow, there was no real studio? No, yeah, maybe a little guitar somewhere, but it was entirely a software music album. And me, uh, completely passionate about that, like uh, a kid would be on a video game. And I think it was also my class. I did a master class and uh, I learned everything about production in learning the software and producing soap kills. <laughs> was the second album Shiftak Shiftak which of course highlights Yasmin's vocals as only you could in terms of the whispery kind of quality mm. but but uh, without letting the music sort of overpower it but that album really mm. is a classic yeah Yasmin doesn't sing loud she has a soft sensual warm voice and this is how she would sing most of the time she would whisper the songs 
in my ears and this is how you can hear it on our albums it's she's almost whispering in your ears you can hear it and i think this gave a unique style of arabic music it was never heard like that it was really an intimate experience and anyway as i tell you we did not feel that any audience hear it we didn't know the reach of soap kills so we always felt just us writing songs with each other and having fun and doing nice things so everything we create has this intimate and genuine feel of the playfulness i think soap kills died the moment we realized it was becoming an important and known band it killed it wow. so after shiftak there was uh, there was an uh, more albums uh, yeah we got signed to a label in france called bloom records but with the rise of the internet the label bankrupt so the french state took our album we came back to beirut uh, like wounded and disappointed i had to buy the album back from um, the state you mean the rights the rights because wow. they, they the, the label bankrupt the state took our masters we huh. didn't have our late album was in their hands so i bought it back and khalid again muzannar allowed us to re-record everything we had recorded in france wow. and this is how intafen was born the latest album شغل بالي قلق حالي انت فين والحب فين ابدا غايب تايه ناسي فكرك So this is how Intafen was born. And at that point, Yasmin did not want to hear about Lebanon anymore. She was really wounded. It was difficult, you know, at that time. Mm-hmm. She was fighting against the family. Uh, no one believed that she could live from music. It was very hard. Me, on the other side, I firmly believed that, oh my God, my destiny is creating arts and music. I, I'm just, I have to do that and only, and I have to do it in Lebanon. Mm. So uh, Yasmin moves to Paris. Mm. And uh, you stay in Lebanon, mm-hmm. but Soap Kills disbands. Uh, yes, she goes her way, and uh, I continue. And as a reaction, because, uh, let's say, it was so intense, our relation, that uh, at the end, it was not so good between us. But my reaction was to go into a rock punk band mm. and start producing other artists. I just wanted to try music on other 
person and fuse with other people. So from there, I went into a frenzy of producing. And so I produced the new government and uh, was it was a punk rock band. I produced uh, uh, some tracks from uh, Scrambled Eggs. I produced um, Heba Mansouri. I produced an African Kora uh, uh, player. Uh, it's been like, I, I think I have around 23 albums today wow. of people I produced. Wow. And then eventually culminating in your amazing collaborations with uh, Mariam Saleh and with May Walid. I'd May like Walid. to talk about those uh, when we come back. So don't go anywhere. Il a une voix très chaude quand il parle à la radio. If you live in Santa Clara County and think you've encountered discrimination in your efforts to rent housing, call the Fair Housing Project at the Legal Aid Society of Santa Clara County at 408-283-1535, extensions 246 or 237. That's 408-283-1535, extensions 246 or 237. We have a great deal in common. KZSU Stanford. So we are back right here on the Arabology Show with Zaid Hamdan, who's been taking us through a semi-chronological tr- journey through his music. And uh, uh, so Kills uh, disbanded, as we said. And wh- where did Zaid Hamdan find himself musically at that point? So I had like a rejection of uh, femininity, sensuality. I want to go to a more punchy, <laughs> aggressive music uh, and to contest the punk. I wanted to go into a punk phase, especially that at that time on the scene when Soap Kills was disintegrating, there was a great band rising in Beirut and it was Scrambled Eggs. So after watching them um, at the concert, I came at the end of the gig and told them, you know what, I'm going to do a rock band and I'm going to compete with you. And really the, ne- the same week I did auditions and in the auditions I uh, I formed a band and we were called The Government. Mm. We performed several gigs working our repertoire. Then uh, a few months into The Government, the Prime Minister was assassinated in Lebanon. Al-Hariri. And there was a, like a chaotic situation. We rebaptized the name of our band the new government mm. and we started saying okay since there is no one to take the job we are here to show you some power grabbing mm. Mm. and this is and so was Zayt Hamdan and the new government <laughs> that it was the new government without without Zayt Hamdan just yeah. the new government yeah. so it was a phase where yeah I, I wanted to express power and political ideas also fun Fresh, freshness, I, I have everything into this band. And uh, it was three years of intense uh, rock, punk rock music.
And we are back uh, with Zayt Hamdan. Wow, that was a track by the new government featuring Zayt Hamdan. And uh, what was the next step, Zayt, uh, in terms of your journey? Okay, so at the time of the new government, I always had friends that missed this combination of classical Arabic and electronics. So there was this nostalgia about the, the, the style. And so people introduced me to Heba Mansouri, who was a young Syrian uh, singer. And they told me, please, you have to try this singer. She's fantastic. She has the voice of Fairuz, but in a modern way. So they introduced me to Heba. That was, in fact, a pretty punk character, you know. She was <laughs> extremely thin, extremely beautiful, but she was very special. And I was totally in love with her voice. So we picked a few songs and I recorded and produced produced for her. The song that did the big bang was Ahwak for Zaki Nasif. And I shot Hiba and her husband. I shot a video clip. I called it my $1 video clips, you know. <laughs> but also the video clip was really, it communicated this vibe, uh, this dizziness of love, I would say. Yeah. It was a totally spinning uh, selfie. Yeah. And at the time where the phones were not so common, it was a selfie with the cheap digital camera wow. but I feel I, I achieved something really intense with this song yeah. into a phase of uh, trip-hop again to Arabic uh, classical being remixed with Heba and uh, attracting a lot of artists from the region that had heard about Sokil that were following this and uh, and I wanted to also emancipate from Lebanon also I wanted to know more about music in general so I started being interested in West Africa in Africa in North North Africa mm. in Egypt so uh, uh, with contacts from France, I was sent to Congo and to Guinea. And there I, me I met a, a young uh, musician. I was supposed to have a concert with Heba in Guinea. Mm, Heba Mansouri. Yeah, she wasn't able to come. I ended up three days before the concert there alone. And Mbadi Kuyate, which is an immense figure of uh, traditional Guinean music, told me, why don't you play with my son? He's very talented. Wow. And I met a little genius. He was 16 years old with the voice of a 40 years man, you know. Oh, and in three days, <laughs> I kind of produced an album for him <laughs> and we performed it. And for the next two years, I would tour with Kanja opening for Basisoko in Europe wow. and producing an album that was called La Guinée. 
that was published from a French publisher, but he did not release the CD. But uh, I have some songs on my SoundCloud that I would play you about. And right here on the Walter Show, we're going to premiere that. Thank you, Zid. <laughs> Wow, what a different sound by Zayt Hamdan as he takes us through a musical journey of his career. And what was the next stop, Zayd? Well, then that, that's the story. I was in Guinea, and uh, while I was in Guinea uh, producing and recording, at home happens a mini civil, like a civil war episode, and which inspired me, the General Sleiman song. And there I really want to pause mm-hmm. and tell people how this song sort of uh, was, I guess I'm going to leave it to you to tell it, but I mean, the, the kind of noise that that song made wasn't just local, it was international. International headlines were suddenly saying mm-hmm. Zayt Hamdan was arrested because of a song. Can mm-hmm. you explain what happened then? Well, the first time, the song, I released the song, but nobody noticed it, okay? It didn't make any noise at all. But a uh, Italian director, film director, uh, heard the song and told me, oh, I need to shoot a video about the song. It inspires me so much. I love it. He shot a video where he put in scene so much character from Beirut, you know. So it's a very colorful video with incredible characters singing the song. And the song is like a a funny song, almost childish reggae. But at the end, I tell General, General, go home. So... So a few years after I released it, the censorship office and the criminal investigation office of the president seized the song, asked me to come and justify, you know, why did I write those lyrics? In Lebanon. Yeah, and accused me of insulting the president, and then they jailed me. They actually arrested you, Zayt Hamdan, over the song, which to me is just a satirical, fun song. It is really an innocent song. I I really really don't insult. There is not any bad word in the song, but it comes at the time of the Arabic revolutions where there is a kind of paranoia and a fear that uh, uh, the youth becomes more uh, encouraged to just criticize and to want to you know change the how uh, the setup the mm-hmm. political setup so in this atmosphere um, they try to silence uh, any voice or make an example so as soon as they arrest me there's the contrary effect it makes too much noise mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot of media starts saying oh where are we going is this Lebanon becoming one of those Arabic countries where you can't express and it was really an outrage to a point and not only locally the biggest international 
uh, news um, outlets start talking about the story. So they quickly take me out of jail and they <laughs> tell me, you know, just say that uh, it's okay, <laughs> nothing <laughs> happened. You know, they try to, uh, uh, you know, kill the noise. But for the next two years and because of the Arabic revolutions, I am asked to go and talk about the story. I mean, I did not like so much the episode because as I... Mm-hmm. In a, uh, it wasn't your intention. Well, and Jena Simon it does not represent so much my work. And suddenly, because it became international, people linked this style of music and the song itself to what I do. And mm-hmm. I think it reduces my music. And I'm not so... I love the song. I enjoy it, but I compose so much more. But for the next two years and surfing the wave of the Arabic Revolution, I get to tour and to talk about the story. Yeah. Here I am, 10 years <laughs> later, still talking about the story. How do you follow that up then? I mean, you know, uh, the, the the video went viral. The song was heard everywhere. It was in the media. So what, what do you do next? Uh, well, my friend encouraged me to do a band where I sing because this is, was never my intention. I always like to produce people. And my songs were mostly for my friends and for moments where I am with them. And it was nothing. I never had the ambition to tour my own music with me singing, I never felt I had a good enough voice to sing, but I was really pushed and encouraged to develop my project. So I started recording my albums at that point and sharing it with the audience. And at the same time, I get invited to tour with Tamir Abogzali, mm, which Jordanian, is an extraordinary artist. Right? Incredible voice and one of my favorite male singer in the Arab world and he tells me 
that uh, he wants to form like a super band with uh, Mahmoud Radaide from Zadal yeah, and Dunya Masoud wow, from, from Egypt. Egypt. So we have this super band and we start touring. And uh, I have incredible recordings. Wow. Did you have a name for the three of Kazamada, you? it wow. was called. Hello. Kazamada in in the Middle East, and when I reach Alexandria, this is where I met Mariam Saleh. Wow! I met her uh, at a party. She was shy. She was absolutely stunning, beautiful, and she sang one one song. And at the end of the song, I told her, "You know, we have to record." Wow! wow. <laughs> we go down to Cairo. I set up my equipment in Tamir's um, living room, and I record four songs with her. Wow. In one day, I record Aslahat, mm. Nixon Baba, Watan al and Valérie Giscard d'Estaing. Wow. with so much power you know it's as if I'm uh, you know Popeye popping the spinach and you mm. know I mm. just 
gives me incredible uh, you know power to I I want to make more and more. Mm. Did you know that the song Islahat which was released on the soundtrack of a Lebanese film called Beirut Hotel mm-hmm. made the charts right here uh, in in the states on our charts at KZSU. I think you were like number 10 okay. on the charts with Islahat. That song was being played by DJs at KZSU who couldn't oh. understand a word of Arabic. Oh, this amazing. song was so contagious and her voice you gave her that mm-hmm. sound that I mean her it went with her voice and then of course Mariam Saleh went on to record her own CD and Amushbaghani mm-hmm. and, uh, and and now she's part of this uh, new trio with uh, Tamir Abu Ghazade and Maurice Luka mm-hmm. where they're Lekhfa Lekhfa which is also a masterpiece album From working with Maryam Saleh, you also ended up working with May Walid. Well, let me tell you how that happened. Yes, please. So we finished the recording of the four songs and I tell uh, Maryam, oh my God, we need to shoot a video. <laughs> Let's go shoot it in Alexandria. <laughs> we go back to Alexandria and there who is in Alexandria, May Walid. And you didn't know her until then. No, but Mahmoud Radai had met her and he kind of liked her. And he said, oh man, you should meet this girl. She's very talented and nice. Then I meet my Walid and she sings a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> we're in the same week and I'm having two shocks. So I'm like, oh my God, what is this country? What is this scene? And I end up, you know, okay, we shoot the video in the morning with Mariam Eslahat. I give a camera to Mariam, I tell her, shoot yourself and walk through the souk of the fisherman, which wow. is like, it's a ghetto, you know. And Mariam is, you have to see the video. And we finish, and then I meet May with my laptop, and I tell her, please record all your demos, voice, and your guitar. And I take this with me to Beirut. And for one year and a half, I don't touch it because I'm working on Mariam's project. But at a certain point, Tamir signs Mariam. And they start recording Anamish Begani. So I say to Mariam, okay, I mean, if you're going on another project, I will work on May. Mm. I invite May and we produce Moga. لو مش حزينة لو مش عارفة أبكي عملي للشجر يكبر ويخليه الوقت يعدي عدي بعيد ما يجيش تاني 
هنا عندي يكبر ويخليك بعيد موجة عالية خايفة منها موجة غامقة جاية تشفطني after Moga that were equally addicting, I think. There is a certain kind of chemistry between you and May Walid that can be seen like on the videos. It's like you mm. you complement each other, you, you have fun together. Yeah. Were those videos and that music as fun to make as they are to watch? All those videos are the product of a moment in between events and I have my camera and say, okay, let's do a dance and then Hmm. We start shooting lame movements. And <laughs> you call them lame. We call them cute. And that uh, video is online and uh, mm. and certainly shows you both in harmony, both vocally and in terms mm. of your steps. If she's listening to us, my Walid, we, we got to say a huge salam mm. from all your fans here at the Arabology Show. Zaid, can I turn to a song that I found haunting? And that was your collaboration with Danny Baladi, where you brought this very old old song that I think is Iraqi Yajarata uh, 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 which then became hypnotizing and sort of I mean I would play that in my car when I'm going on a three hour trip on repeat يا جارة لو تشعري بحالي 
لو تشعرين بحالي معاذ الهوى معاذ الهوى ما دقت طارقة النوى ولا خطرت منك الهموم ببال يا جارتان ما أنصف الدهر بيننا تعالي تعالي أقاسمك الهموم تعالي هيضحك مأسور وتبكي طليقة ويسكت محزون ويندب سالي How did that whole collaboration and song come about? Yeah, how could I forget about Danny Baladi? It's crazy also story. It's at the time of Heba Mansour, we were at the same period. So someone hears my style of music, it was my bassist, uh, Roland, it was his name, and he said, you know, there is a death metal event in Kaslik, suburbs of Beirut, and I go to the death event metal, and Roland tells me, you have to hear the singer, and I hear... I see this massive guy, you know, maybe 200 kilos, and he's growling, doing death metal. You know, like, very hardcore death metal. And I'm completely, like, blown away. At the end of the show, I go and say, man, you are you are a genius. You are such a beautiful singer. And he says, oh, yes, thank you. And, you know, I sing Arabic also. Wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, how could, how could this man and with just such noise coming out of his body be also an Arabic singer. I said, please come to my house uh, tomorrow. I want us to try Arabic music. So he comes uh, to my house the next day and uh, I switch the mic. Uh, I would not need the mic. And he sings Alallah mm. from uh, Wadiya Safi. Oh, Alallah Ta'ud. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And In his I, own way. Yeah, just a cappella and wow. the whole neighborhood hears him. It's honestly my first encounter with powerful mute, powerful voice in Arabic. All the singers I had worked with was so softly, mm-hmm. you know, singing like Yasmin and, and Heba. It's all about whispering and sensuality. And here I got blown away by massive <laughs> power of mountain voice, you know. And yeah, again, my heart opens and I start producing Danny and exploring this repertoire this is male singing uh, we remixed uh, Alala we remixed Yajarata I try to have Danny sing Mawels from uh, Asmahan Yadirati and we played televisions you can see on the internet sometimes I play with the guitar on TV and he just sings and it's we strip all the Arabic ornamentation from those classic and it's just the most purest form I think it is very interesting for people to hear the remixes and then go dig for the Classic. It's so important.
this is what happens with me I meet singers they sing the songs for me and I, I don't know what is the song and then I go listen to the original this is how I discover so I try to have the the audience go through the same process so what happened after that with Danny is that um, label Arabic label discovers Danny they come and they sign him Mm-hmm. And they tell them, you cannot sing with Zaid anymore. Wow. And I was totally heartbroken. Yeah. Zaid, uh, who were some of the other artists that maybe you collaborated with and can mm. I can share some of the stories? After this phase, I did some Zaid and the Wings. And through Zaid and the Wings, I would uh, meet singers. And lately, I discovered really an amazing singer. Her name is Mari Abu Khalid. Melmo, and uh, I invited uh, Jeremy uh, from the new government. So you know that Jeremy Renier ended up producing the last two Mashru Alaylas. Oh, really? Yeah, so you know, though, they met. It yeah, goes they around. Met this, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The scene. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jeremy is a fantastic producer. And also, I collaborate with Mark Kotsi from Lumi. Yes. I was their manager at the time and uh, always loved Mark's approach to music, his electronics. I loved it. So I asked him to produce. Uh, the Zayd and the Wing album and also he helped me uh, produce the Mariam Saleh when two years later after they finished Anamish Bighani I produced the Halawella album for Mariam Saleh Melmo, though, is mm. this a current collaboration? So I invited Mark Kotsi and Jeremy Renier to produce Melmo. Mm. So Melmo is produced by the three of us. Marie Abu Khalid Melmo is an excellent producer already. So she brought in her demos and her production. And uh, we added our touch to it. And I will play you the result. And it's, I mean, it's delicious. You have to hear it. The love you Yes. <laughs> 
you are spoiling us here on the Walter Show to be actually so able to, to play that, uh, uh, a song where we'll have Exit Hamdan in the studio. And when we come back, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about my favorite song. Nobody's asked me which Zaid Hamdan song is my personal favorite. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have Zaid also perform right here live in the studio, a rare treat. So don't go anywhere. The Alliance for a Healthier Generation works to address one of the nation's leading public health threats, childhood obesity. You can find out how to help by visiting healthiergeneration.org or calling 646-775-9160. KZSU Stanford. And so we're back right here on the Rabalji Show coming to you from KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. I'm sitting here on a magical musical journey with the one and only Zaid Hamdan taking me through the behind the scenes as well as some of the highlights of your musical career. And, uh, you know, one thing that I keep hoping you'll ask me or somebody will ask me is about my favorite Zaid Hamdan song. Oh my God, what's your favorite? Hit, hit me with that. I'm so I, curious I to you know. you mentioned that Asfi. Oh. Asfi to me is not just a song it is a journey the way the the beat slows down picks up and it's uh, by the end you've read a novel that took you up and down uh, can you tell me just as somebody who greatly admires you and and your process how Asfi, a song like Asfi can be created it's so hard to describe uh, the how uh, music finds its way okay but it's really linked Okay, to a sense of emergency. So uh, when uh, when there's a storm pointing out, there is excitement, there is electricity, there is fear, uh, there is all those emotion mixed, and uh, I translated it into the song. It's a guy telling to a girl, come on, hurry up, let's go and kiss. Mm-hmm. Let's go and do things that we are not allowed to do because there's a storm coming. So it's like as if, I mean, it's a storm, but they feel it's maybe the last days of their lives. So there's a moment of action and then there's a moment of reception when you pass through the storm. So it goes slower and then it picks up from being slow to more hopeful. That's the last part of the slow part.
we go from Piaz Fejeye to Southern Day. Shete, shete, and come. And it's all in the same song. Well, you have really brought some more light to this song. I'm seeing it even in a different light. And it's a, it's a call. It's a call to abandon authority. It's a call to just emancipate. This is, a, it, in my opinion, it's a very important anthem for me. And it, Uh, how we expressed it. Well, Zed, before I turn over the studio to you and your amazing guitar, which you've been slapping around Stanford all day from classes to the studio, uh, and, and you're going to play live for us, this is really a true honor to be able to record right here at KZSU. Uh, let me uh, complete this segment of my interview by asking about, you know, your immediate plans for the future. Now you're coasting on the us curve right now, mm -hmm. but are you thinking of the next step? Okay, I don't make plans ever <laughs> I, I just serve the wave so I'm here today because uh, we're hoping to uh, bring back the Oscars at home and really I want to meet people as much as I can and I want to be inspired as much as I can so that's the plan so I think maybe this is a good point here to uh, turn to Jin who is with us in the studio Jin Chao who is studying what at Stanford I'm studying comparative literature Oh, which which was my PhD. Oh, you I know, didn't know that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know that. Al and uh, Jin, who uh, ha has been patiently listening to uh, the uh, to Zayt Hamdan's journey, has a question to ask. Go ahead, Jin. Yeah. So I was really wondering what the role of politics and of Lebanese history, like what what the role of that is in your music creation, in your writing of the lyrics. Um, I know a little bit about. Um, so you talked about the the history and the reasoning behind the naming of the group Soap Kills, and I was wondering if you could talk a little more about um, the role that politics plays in your music creation. Uh, okay, um, my most spontaneous. Uh, I write music spontaneously, mm. so I never pre-think uh, where I'm going to. Uh, orient the lyrics or the meaning but it does happen and this is something i realize listening to my music afterwards that it is uh, i'm entirely influenced by events i would write a song and then the song would be about a crisis and a couple not being able to join each other because between them there is a roadblock or for example i would uh, do a song that talks about fighting mm. and struggling and mm. wanting to leave and it would coincide of a period where you have a, uh, like riots. The environment, the Middle East is always the background to my composition. It's an inspiration mm -hmm. and sometimes I get annoyed by very clearly the politics and then I point a finger where you can hear the names of the politicians. Really, it's not a direction I have chosen. The only thing I have chosen is to express my heart at any moment and this is how I write music. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Jen. I have in the studio with me, who's been really patiently listening to us this whole time, the one and only Zelfa Rustum is sitting with us. Zelfa, how have you been? Um, you've been quite kind of silent because we've been monopolizing the conversation. I've been mesmerized by your conversation, listening carefully. I'd like to know more about the different movies you've participated in. Like uh, you've composed music not only for Kafarnaum, which is now nominated for the Oscars and luckily will win. Mm. But what about the other movies? I think I scored around 
17 movies I'm not sure Soundtrack I'm remembering Hotel Beirut I think Beirut Hotel, uh, Beirut Hotel sorry You have Yanusak from Ali Khalife I scored Tangerine from Iran von Alberti I scored Guardian of Time Lost for Diala Kashmar I scored Martyrs recently for Mazen uh, Abu Khalid. I scored a lot of movies that I cannot mention here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... I, I, it's I, on I, my page. Uh, it's a lot of documentaries. Uh, oh, I scored a soundtrack that I really adore. It's called Rehle for Mayar Rumi. And uh, this is a soundtrack. I compiled all the tracks that he refused. <laughs> they were so cool. I put them on my band camp. Uh, you have to hear this one. In my opinion, it's, uh, it's, it's a really a delicious soundtrack. I made it with a lot, a lot of love. was your favorite experience? Was it Kafarnaum? And what's different about Kafarnaum? I did not score Kafarnaum. Khaled Muzanar scored it. I scored in Kafarnaum uh, all the uh, Ethiopian uh, parts. I arranged them. I introduced Khaled to this uh, culture somehow. And I did on uh, Kafarnaum all the additional scores. So all the music in Beirut, in the cafes, in the places, in the shops, everything that you feel it is the Beiruti popular music, I recreated. So first I gave to Nadine a USB with a lot of pop music from Lebanon. She spread it into the movie and then Khaled said, okay, we cannot use any of it. So I recreate them. So I recreate tracks that resemble Dabke, tracks that resemble Abdel Wahab, Syrian Dabke and Dosug. It's all in the movie. And it was incredibly fun to do on top of uh, helping Khaled accomplish his crazy genius vision about his score. How much time did it take you actually to work on the music for this movie? Uh, Nine months. Nine months uh, working maybe 20 to 22 hours a day, sometimes not sleeping. It put us all on edge. 
engage really with our families and with our health. But Khalid and Nadine are they're truly geniuses in what they do, and so they don't they don't they lose the notion of time when they're just on their art. And uh, following them was really an eye-opening experience. I hope Khalid will allow me to uh, <laughs> accompany him on uh, all the other projects that should come. Zalfa, thank you for mentioning the whole movie soundtrack, which really can Thanks. be another episode with with uh, Zayt Hamdan, mashallah. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask you, is that you can see live? But I want to ask Performing live. I mean, I've watched you for the last 20 years performing live. in Paris and mm. Beirut and other places I mean I know you spend a lot of time in the studio but I would like us to I would like you to share with us your experience on stage okay it's it's a huge part of my work in fact uh, performing live with the I prefer performing live than recording into studio because uh, I can sense it's the only moment where I can sense how the effect of my music on people I can see it I can smell it I can sense it so I always try to have as much musicians as I can working with Yasmin was very difficult because we were a duo a lot of time it was just machines and me on guitar and her and uh, so when I started new government we were five and then with the wings we were five to six and then recently I try as much as I can to have a big ensemble on stage I have a, a person that inspired me so much into all the music I perform live and also produce it's Miles J he's a Californian uh, artist I produced an, an album with the Miles he, he that was also life changing for me sonically he's an incredible musician I hope he hears this show and here's how much I love him yeah life is um, uh, is mainly also uh, uh, the reason I uh I do music to be able to perform it. Thank you, Zaid. Thank you. And thank you, Zalfa Rustom, for your thoughtful questions. And uh, when we come back, I'm actually uh, going to uh, turn the studio over to Zaid. Would you like to be published through Stanford in an open access journal? Do you want your work to be indexed in Google Scholar? Submit to Intersect, the online Stanford Journal of Science, Technology, and Society. All students are welcome to submit articles on any topic at the intersection of history, culture, sociology, art, or business with science and technology. To browse current or past issues, visit intersect.stanford.edu. Hi, this is Mike Love of the Beach Boys. As you've probably figured out by now, cool cars and hot fun at the beach have always been close to my heart. That's why I'm pleased to have recorded, with the help of KZSU Stanford, some of our all-time favorites. Did you know that only 9 out of 100 students who start their freshman year in an urban high school receive a college degree? The MATCH Teacher Residency Program is out to change that. Boston-based MATCH Education trains committed first-year teachers to work effectively in inner-city classrooms. Since the program began, 100% of its graduates have been hired as urban school teachers across the country. If you're interested, you can learn how to join Match Teacher Residency by visiting matcheducation.org. That's matcheducation.org. KZSU Stanford. وين راح الصوت مين خف الصوت 
أخذوا الطيار نار الموت مين ما تيدو عصندوة الخوف أخذوا الطيار نار الموت ماني شبعان من النوم ليشو في اليوم تركني بحالي خليني عذب أمالي ماني شبعان من النوم ليشو في اليوم تركني بحالي خليني عذب أمالي مين ركب صوت مين عدل صوت في قسم مش مسموع عم بيعيط بالصمت مين مديده عدو زين القانون خلى الجمهور يوم يفل مقهور ماني شبعان من النوم ليش في اليوم تركني بحالي خليني عذب امالي ماني شبعان من النوم ليش في اليوم تركني بحالي خليني عذب امالي Let's 
Thank you. 